Come on, church. Come on and celebrate and welcome all of our campuses and all of our locations. If you love and appreciate the faithfulness of God in your life, let me hear you celebrate the goodness of the Lord in our midst today. He is faithful. The Bible says, even when I am faithless, He is faithful. Stay, stay standing for just a moment before we, we get into the Word today. Today, we're wrapping up anxious for nothing. And I hope and pray, it's been my prayer request for about six months now since I started knowing that I was going to do this series. I've been praying that it would help you. I've been praying that God's word would minister to your heart. I've been praying that the people called New Hope at all of our campus locations would actually be known as people who live in an anxious world, but embody the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding. And as we come to this last installment today, I just thought it'd be good if we just stay standing for just a moment and we just pray. Open up your hearts, open up your minds to what God wants to say to you today. Maybe if you want, open up your hands. Just put them right down by your waist or up high and just open them as if to say, God, fill me today. Speak to my heart. I am here not playing church. I am here ready to worship you and hear from your word. Come on now, let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for what you have been doing in this series. God, we are so grateful. You tell us in John's gospel, you, you told those early disciples, I will not leave or forsake you, that I will send the comforter to you. God, not only did you send the comforter, Holy Spirit, you sent your word. And we are here, Father God, not as orphans, but as adopted children of the Most High God, sons and daughters of a faithful God. Lord, thank you for what you've done in this series. We are so grateful. God, I pray that today you would take our minds and you would think through them. Lord, that's what we're gonna talk about today. The mind, you and your sovereign wisdom, you to teach us about the brain. God, take our hearts and fill with them today. Lord Jesus, take my lips and speak through them. For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. We pray it in the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, faithful almighty God who longs to speak to us today. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. We pray it in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, come on now, amen, amen. I see we got some people here who want to have church today. I love it, I love it, I love it. You may be seated. Can you help me welcome Garner, Sanford, Durham, Columbia, Kenya, 
Hillsboro, Wake Forest, online community, wherever you are, welcome one and welcome all. Hey, a week from today, there's this small thing going on. I mean, it's a real small thing. It's called the Super Bowl. Small, not that important. You're like, I don't don't think I'd ever hear that from him. It's really not that important. But there's a big thing going on up in here before the Super Bowl. And I'm talking about Vision Day. Vision Day is a week from today. That is our church's birthday. We, lo- we talk about vision. We celebrate the church. And um, we're going to do that next week. Notice this, this little thing right here. You want to be here because it's Vision Day, but you also want to be here because we've designed these awesome T-shirts. And everybody goes home with a free T-shirt. I mean, I wish I was Oprah, and I could say, you get a car, and you get a car, you get a, no, 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 but I can't say, you get a t-shirt, and you get a t-shirt, and all, <laughs> and all of you get t-shirts. Here they are. It says 2020 Vision, really good-looking t-shirt. On the back, it's got the church website, great way for you to just promote uh, the church and that you're not ashamed of the gospel. Again, everybody gets a t-shirt, including our children and our students, so we're excited about that. Um, want to let you know where we're going after that. I mean, we're really in a good season in the life of our church. We're going to do a marriage conference after that. Sister said, amen. I, I know what you mean. That's a, bring it on, Lord. Uh, bringing in Clayton King. He is a, a, one of the premier communicators on the planet. Um, Clayton texted me this morning just to let you know he's excited to be coming. His wife, Cherie, will be speaking with him. I'm telling you, this, this is an amazing communicator. You don't want to miss the conference. It's February 14th through the 15th. Limited seats. Limited seats. And so you need to go ahead and register. Text XO to 59769. I did not say this last celebration. I haven't said this yet regarding this conference, but I feel a strong sense of the Holy Spirit right now telling me to say this. Dudes, your wife is going to say, honey, can we go to that marriage conference? Your word from the Lord is yes, dear. Perhaps you're right. And then go register. Come on, guys. We, 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 marriage is hard work, right? And we all need to work it. Can I get an Amen. All right. Um, Hey, and then we're doing a series on that as well, a marriage series. Single people don't check out. This is is for single people as well, because one day you might get married. And married people, give them an amen if they'll need this stuff. Amen. And then maybe you're like, I ain't ever getting married. That's cool too, but you need to know what God's word says about marriage because you are a part of the family of God and we need to grow strong marriages and strong children and all that stuff. We put together a little trailer for you. Check it out.
All right, Valentine's weekend. Register, register, register. You can text that number. You can do it when you get home. You want to be here for that. So we're going to wrap up today a series that, um, in my opinion, uh, has been one of the top four or five series in terms of your engagement. I mean, I've really been blown away by the way you have been leaning in and engaging this message from Philippians 4. You can go and open your Bibles there if you would like. Philippians 4. Thank you for being a church that, that comes to a campus eager to hear God's word, pen in hand, Bible in hand, teaching notes, or your app, whatever the case may be. I want to give special thanks, as I did in the beginning, for Andy Stanley. He wrote a book on this very topic. We're going to be having that in the Resource Center. Ashley Woolridge is a good friend of mine. He's also been instrumental in my life. And Mark Yoder, my student pastor back home, has been instrumental in my life as I have been growing in this area in my own life. The series is based upon that verse that we've said every single week, Philippians 4, 6, out loud, church, like it's the word of the Lord, really strong, ready, go. Be anxious for nothing. You sound incredible. The question is, come on, is that even possible? Is that even possible to be anxious for nothing at all? Well, as I've said each week, this actual verse is written in the Greek and it's written in the present active tense. That might mean nothing to you and that's perfectly fine, but what it means to all of us is that you can actually live in this world not in a perpetual state of anxiety. The Bible is not saying you shall never be anxious. Jesus was anxious. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane? The Bible's not saying you will never be anxious. The Bible is saying, present active tense, you shall not remain in an indefinite, perpetual state of anxiety. Another way that I put it in my notes here is the presence of anxiety is unavoidable. But staying in the prison of anxiety day to day is optional. And God has given us antidotes in Philippians 4 to help us combat anxiety. I hope you've been starting to apply those. When I was in Duke Divinity School, I had a professor that I took for several classes. Uh, most students only took him for one class. <laughs> One was enough. But it, his name was Stanley Hirawas. If you've done much Christian reading, you've read about this guy. World-renowned scholar, Christian ethicist. And so the first course I took for him was Christian ethics. Stanley Hirawas is this kind of, uh, he's just, he's this, um, He's this elderly guy, kind of wiry a little bit, has his hair, goes out everywhere, had a beard back in those days. And when he got real excited in class, Dr. Hirawas would jump up on a desk. See why students only took him one year? He would jump up on a desk and yell and get excited and run around the room and like he, he had everybody's attention and people thought he was crazy. <laughs> Dr. Howell is a little crazy. Um, but but he, I love the way he would be passionate about it. I thought about that this week. I thought about like if I had a desk up here, I might jump up on it. To be able to say to you, you don't want to miss this series as we end today. Don't just put it away. Apply it. Revisit these notes. Look at these antidotes. Mainly what I would jump up on the desk and say to you today, do it. Can, can, I, can I say that? We're not saved by what we do. Can I get an amen? We're saved by grace alone. But you're never going to experience the benefits of being a Christian unless you apply 
the word. This is not about salvation. This is about doing it. And we all know the definition of insanity, right? We know that. I don't even need to say it. And so when we get to texts like this, we need to remember James 1.22. You read the last one so well. Heck, I might as well let you read this one. Ready? Go. Be doers of the word. Be what? Doers of the word. And not just hearers only deceiving yourselves. Have you memorized the passage? See, these are the moments that sadden me. These are the moments that make me want to just go flip hamburgers at Burger King and work. Thank you. She, if you didn't hear from the campus, she said, we're working on it. Praise God. That's better than crickets, man. Thank you. Have you been living out the three antidotes that I've covered so far? I will get into that as the day unfolds. But if I had a desk... I would jump up on it and say, do this. It works if you work it. Philippians chapter four. If you love the word of the Lord, let me hear you say amen. amen. Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord. Oh, yeah, we can read it together. Absolutely. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is Hey, he's near. He's, he's here in this moment. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You sound great today. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, and this is what we're focusing on today. If you got your Bible, circle this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Today, I want to talk to you about your mind. Paul wraps up his teaching on anxiety with reminding us of the power of the brain. You don't control every thought that flies into your mind. I get that. Sometimes they just come. But you can control which thoughts you allow to land there and live there. Take Control of your mind is what Paul is instructing us today. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable. I mean, you could add some positive attributes as well. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, he says what? Think about such things. Make a few notes in the margin of your Bible, if you will. The two words think about come from our Greek word, Logizomai, logizomai. Can you guess the English word that comes from this word, logizomai? You're a brilliant group of people. 
Logic. It's not that hard, is it? Logic or logical. Paul is saying to us that you have to use logic and reason to battle anxiety. And there is a way to do this. Now, hang on for just a moment. Think with me. Let's get a little technical about the brain. This is important to understand if you're going to get what Paul is saying to us today. In very simplistic terms, neurologists, those who study the brain, they tell us that there is a section of our mind that is driven by emotion. <laughs> Some people have larger parts of the brain <laughs> that are driven by emotion than others of us. There's a separate part of the brain that is driven by logic. The main part of our brain that controls emotion is called the amygdala. It's in the center of your brain. The amygdala is what controls emotion. The free frontal cortex is the part of the brain that handles your logic or your reason. How many of you grew up in a family where you were often, uh, you were scared by someone that loves you? Scared, you know what I mean? Did any of y'all have that growing up? Yeah, I, I grew up, I was the youngest of two uh, older brothers. I was the youngest of three. And they loved to pick on me. And I would come down the stairs, and one of my most vivid memories as a child is they would jump around the corner and yell at me and scare the bejesus out of me. They would get under my bed and they would scare me. Now, now I don't know if you're like that. Now, well, I guess I should give a little confession here. I do this some to my kids. <laughs> I think that's, that's a benefit of being an adult. You get to give it back to them. Now, I don't do it nearly as bad as I had it done to me, but like my kids will come down the stairs, ah! And I scare them and I just smile and love. When they walk in front of my car, say we're at a store or something, when they walk in front of my car, I blow the horn right when they walk in front of the car. To the point now where they, they expect it. They don't even get scared anymore. But, but stick with me here for a moment. These kinds of scare tactic, tactics. What happens to your brain? The emotional part of your brain, which I just said to you, is the amygdala. It releases all sorts of signals and chemicals that put us into a fight or flight mode. You studied this in school, I'm sure. The problem is the amygdala is not objective, right? Its goal is to protect. So what happens, the free prefrontal cortex kicks in. Remember, it's driven by logic and it helps us deal with scary situations. And the way God has designed the brain is that the free prefrontal cortex and the amygdala actually work together. They need one another. And so the logical part of our brain regulates the emotional part, and they're designed by God to do that. Another example would be you're at a zoo and you see a snake behind the glass. The logical part of your brain kicks in and lets you know that there's nothing to worry about. On the converse, you're walking in your yard or by your back door and you see a snake, what do you do? Ah! And you run. Or if you're like me, you go to the gun case and you send the snake to snake heaven. 
I can't stand snakes. You've heard me say that before, and I don't always do that, but I have been known to do it. Actual rattlesnake in my yard, run. Rattlesnake in a zoo behind a glass, don't run. What happens? The prefrontal cortex and the amygdala are working together. I've been saying this a couple times, but I'm gonna repeat it one more time. Fear is healthy. Fear sees a threat and reacts, right? Snake in the yard, I'm gonna run. Anxiety, though, imagines a threat and can't move on. Gets, gets in a prison, if you will, of anxiety. And the problem with anxiety is this. If we allow our thoughts to linger, they can put us in a constant state of the fight or flight mode. And that, my friends, is when severe anxiety kicks in. And it's no fun. Neuroscientist Dr. Caroline Leaf has studied this subject extensively. Chemically, what happens in time is that the emotional side of the brain begins creating, listen, listen, these neurological pathways in your brain. They're like ruts, if you will, in your brain that make it harder for the logical part of the brain to kick in and work with the emotional part of the brain, the amygdala. Now listen in. If you live like this too long, and you don't learn to apply what Paul is teaching us today in Philippians 4, anxiety is literally hardwired in your brain. And people have a very hard time ever doing away with it if you don't start applying, particularly this message today, but all four of them. Do you see now why I wanna jump on a desk and yell and encourage and challenge you to apply this? What happens to many of us, just like with our bodies, come on, there's a very similar analogy. When we don't work out, our muscles atrophy. In the same way, if you don't retrain your mind or you don't train it for the first time, you're a young Christian, so this is great. You can go and start doing it right now. You don't train your mind, it atrophies. And again, you get these neurological pathways, these ruts in your brain where you can't think straight and anxiety wins the day. So you have to retrain yourself. You have to pay close attention, listen, to what gets your attention. You have to think about what you think about. You have to think about what you think about. And listen to this, this is key. Not every thought is worthy of thinking about. Amen. Not every thought is worthy of thinking about. So some of you are going, okay, so I'm engaged. I got my mind engaged in this today. How, how do I retrain my mind, Paul? How does this actually work? It's not imaginary. There's something that's worthy to think about. It's good stuff. It's holy stuff. It's wholesome stuff. 
It's stuff that edifies and builds other people up. And Paul gives us a list of these things. And then at the end of that list, you know, we've already read it, so I don't need to read it again right now. He says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, do what, church? Think about such things. And so each week, I've been giving us an antidote. It's not original by any means. It's straight from God's word. I've been giving us these antidotes that come from Philippians 4. Y'all remember what the first one was? Celebrate. Celebrate what? Remember the pillars? I would go stand between them. You want to celebrate certain theological truths. You want to get in the habit of celebrating God on a daily basis. When anxiety starts to rise, you think about the fact that God is good. Amen? And God is in control. And when everything seems like it's not in control, just know that God still holds the world, come on, in the palm of his hand. You celebrate. Then we looked at week two. Remember what it was? A, ask. Oh, you guys are amazing. You ask. You ask in prayer. But you don't pray, as I confessed that week, you don't pray these broad, generic, vanilla prayers. You pray what? Specifically. Paul says with specific requests, PPR, remember? Petition, request, prayer. You pray specifically. You drill down what's going on inside of me. You do the hard work that you need to do to turn the soul inside your soil. And you, you work that. You figure out what is God trying to plant in the seeds of my life. You ask. L, remember? List. You list. You list the things that you're thankful for. You guys still got your list from last week? Praise God. You've been working it? Look at it on a regular basis. You make a list of the things that you're grateful for. M, you might be wondering what M is. I know some of you have already guessed. Some of you have kind of let me know your guess. M, meditate. Yeah, I see some head shaking. You got it right. You got it. Meditate, okay? Meditate. And you might say, well, where in the world do you get meditate from in this passage? Um, the translation that I typically read, I get asked this a lot, what's your favorite translation? My favorite translation is the NIV, the New International Version. But in this particular case, I believe the New King James Version gets it right. And the New King James Version uses the word meditate. Let me show you. Finally, brethren, you haven't heard that word in a while, have you? Brethren. King Jimmy's hard, man. King Jimmy's hard. A lot of these and thous. And, but finally, brethren... Look at your neighbor and say, what's up, brethren? It's inclusive. It means her too, right? Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, just, pure, lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, here it is, meditate on these things. I wanna talk to you about this concept of meditate. Everybody say meditate. meditate. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, all of these things. Paul says meditate on these things. Think about these things. Now, now the word meditation for many of us has a kind of negative connotation. Let's just admit it, right? When, when I say meditate, here's what some of you think about. Um, <laughs> I didn't think you were going to enjoy that that much. Um... And if I, you know, if I had, if I was on the floor, I'd sit with my, oh, there you go, there you go. I'm, I got to balance myself up here. Um, oh, that's good for the core. <laughs> and, and we have this negative connotation 
of meditation. And let me just see if I can help us with that. One of the reasons we have a negative connotation and one of the reasons we have this image of, um, is Eastern meditation. And Eastern meditation is not Christian meditation. Eastern meditation is this concept of emptying your mind. Is Paul telling us to empty our minds? Number one, can you really empty your mind? You might be able to. I can. Some of you, some of you ladies are like, oh yeah, my husband goes there all the time. <laughs> ladies, give him a break. Okay, he might not be empty-minded. He just might not want to talk to you about what's going on in his mind right there. Can I get a strong amen from the men? Have my boys right there. Get off our back. You don't know what's going on up in my mind. Brother in the back. <laughs> but I digress. The truth is, you really can't empty your mind. And if some people can, and people who practice and appreciate Eastern meditation can. It's not Christianity. It's not what the Bible tells us to do. In every verse of scripture related to meditation, it tells us not to empty our minds, but to fill our minds with something. Paul gives us a list of that. I put it like this in my notes. To battle anxiety, you don't empty your mind, you fill it with what's good. Let me give you an illustration. I got three jars up here, okay? And one is, really, if you look at it, it's about the size of your brain. And the truth is, I've got two colored sands here. I have one that's kind of a darkish gray and one that's kind of a, an off-white, if you will. The problem happens when we start actually allowing all the negative things that we see and encounter on a daily basis on the news, on our phones, with our negative colleagues that we work with, maybe our negative parents, our neighbors. And if we just let the brain fill up with negative, 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 what the Bible is teaching us is that there is no room, watch this, for positive thoughts. See what happens? It's, it's a principle. We don't practice emptying our mind. We practice filling our mind. But the only problem is many of us fill our mind with negative stuff, dark stuff, bad stuff. And then when we try to put a little good in there, it, it doesn't fit. There, there, there's no room for it. That's not what the Bible says to do. That's not what Philippians says to do. Philippians tells us, actually what you do is you fill your mind with good stuff. Whatever is right. Whatever is pure. Whatever is noble. Whatever is praiseworthy. Fill your mind with these things. Logizamo. Think about these things, and as you do, the anxiety goes down, the peace that passes all understanding goes up, and you live in an anxious world, but with the peace of Christ. The same thing is true. Guess what? Because we all live in this dark world. 
You've got your mind full of positive, good, wholesome things when the bad news comes, and it will come. You run into that person that every time you see them, you want to run, right? Or you, you, you turn on the television for a little news because we should be dialed into what's going on in this world. Or, oh my, Lanta, you, you try to get up to the political reality of what's going on. You check out your political stations, whatever it is that you do. They're all negative. And when you come across those things, guess what? There's no room. In the same way, they cannot penetrate. It's a principle whereby you fill your mind with the things of God. You, here's the word, we don't practice this word a lot because we have negative connotations, but you meditate on the things of God. And this is where that, the talk last week about gratitude is so important. Gratitude crowds out anxiety. Your list, the positive things, the things for which you're grateful. It crowds out anxiety and you just learn to not empty your brain, but you get in the habit on a regular basis of filling your mind with those things that are good. Anxiety, as I've said every single week, yes, it's a physical issue. Yes, some of you might need help and therapy and that's okay. There's no shame in this game. Some of you might need medication. Again, no shame in this game. Be very, very careful with both of those. But what I've been trying to point out every single week is that anxiety is a spiritual issue. It is a spiritual issue, and God's word gives us great insight into how to combat anxiety. And some of you are sitting there, and I, and I know, and I feel for you, and this is why this series has been so important to me, because I just wanna help you. Some of you are sitting there right now, and this is what you're thinking. I just don't think I can do it. I don't think I can get the negative thoughts out. If you only knew how negative my mind is, I don't think I can practice that. Let me ask you a question since you're thinking that. Is that a noble thought? Is, is that a right thought? Is that a true thought? The answer to that is absolutely not. But what's happened is you've slipped into a rut, an anxiety rut. And you know what a rut is, don't you? A rut is nothing but a casket with both ends kicked out. You're just stuck there. And you're in this, this neurological pathway, this rut. And what I would also wanna let you know, just from a scientific perspective, your mind is pliable. You can retrain your mind. Data is telling us that over and over and over again. And the way you do it, Paul says, is you get in the habit. You make it a discipline to meditate on the good things of God. Psalm 119, 15 and 16. Oh my, put this to memory. Ready? Go. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. You have to take control of your life and you have to take control of your thought life. 
And none of us, not a single person here, can even begin to grasp the power of the brain. The elasticity of the brain. The pliability of the brain. That you can actually retrain your mind to not be negative, but actually be positive and thankful. And as you do, anxiety goes down. And peace goes up. And I hit on this little thing hard the first week. And I just bring it back to show you something. You're not going to believe this. You're not going to I discovered this this week, and I just I had to show it to you. You can you can push this button right here and this button right here. And if you wait, oh, can y'all see? You're not going to believe this. You slide that over, and the phone is turned off. It's remarkable. Now you can't, somebody's out there, oh really? (laughs) And you can get good wholesome thoughts from your phone. I told you that very first week. I'm learning to use this thing better. I'm not walking around with all the notifications on giving me negative, negative news all day long. I've taken control of the phone and you you can feed it Feed yourself with positive things from your phone. There's lots of good apps out there. Listen to the Bible, right? Audible, listen to books. You can, devotions, you can feed your, but one of the best things you can do is learn to turn this off some, or at least bury it under a mattress. Pull out your Thanksgiving list. Pull out your Bible and study the word of the Lord. Another great verse, put this one to memory. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 10, 5. Oh my word. We take captive every thought to make it what? Obedient to Christ. We do what? We take captive every thought. You have the power to do this. The Holy Spirit working inside you has the power to take captive. Everybody say captive. Every thought. And make it submit and be obedient to Christ. As a Christian, you have this ability. I absolutely love this verse. Memorize these passages of scripture. Paul makes it clear. We have the ability to train or retrain our minds and our thoughts. And what's so powerful about this word right here, captive, The word captive is literally to take something or someone captive by a spear or a sword. Now watch this. Gonna blow you. Watch this. You say, well, what weapon do I have? (laughs) Ephesians 6. (laughs) Ephesians 6 says this is your weapon. Ephesians 6 is on spiritual warfare. It says this is the sword of the spirit. So you yield and wield this thing and you put it out there and you learn this book. You take captive the negative, evil, dark thoughts that Satan wants to put in your mind. And you learn to yield this book and study it and learn it and meditate on that which is good. What? What thoughts or thought keeps coming back in your life that makes you anxious? 
Can I, can I just ask you that? Just, just think about it. What, what is it that continues to plague your mind? What if my baby is not healthy? What if we never have enough financially? What if this business goes under, you know, tanks, bankruptcy? What if something terrible happens to my marriage or my kids or those I love? What if I lose my job? What if I get sick, terminally ill? What if I feel socially awkward and anxious around people? What if no one ever loves me? What if I never get married? Can I just be really transparent with you today? I, I struggle with some of these same things that you do. Normally it's not around those topics, but normally it's around what I'm doing up here in front of you today. And to be honest with you, normally I feel good uh, in my preparation. And normally, not always, I feel pretty good while I'm up here in front of you trying my best to teach the word of the Lord. You know when it hits me? It hits me really, really hard on Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. When, when everything in my body is just spent and I'm utterly exhausted, yet my mind, I can't cut it off. And when everybody else in my home is asleep and the house is completely dark, Sunday evenings and early Monday mornings, it's when I start to question and the anxious thoughts come in. I'm not good enough. That word was not good enough. What's gonna happen to the church? How am I going to continue to lead her? Is God moving? And then the enemy comes in and speaks negatively. You know, he's probably not moving. And I've done a lot of hard work with it, and I, I can pinpoint it to things back in my childhood and as I've continued to process and, and turn the soil, if you will, in my soul and try to plant God's word there, but I'm just telling you, those are the things that hit me. Those are the times when I struggle with it the most. And you know what I've learned to do? I've learned to do exactly what I'm teaching you about today. I've learned in those dark, dark hours, and it is physically dark and spiritually dark. I've learned to penetrate that darkness with God's word. I've learned to memorize and quote verses like Isaiah 55, 11. God's word will not return void. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What am I doing in those moments? And it's taken me like 25 years to get to a place where I know how to combat it on Sunday night. And it happens every Sunday night of my life. I'm telling you, if you will just take the sword of the Spirit and you will memorize Scripture, if you will work this acrostic, if you will learn to celebrate the goodness of God, if you will learn to ask specifically what you need from God, if you will learn to keep an active, this is not a one-time deal, an active Thanksgiving list of what you're grateful for, and then if you will learn to meditate on the good things of God, you will see, you will experience, as I have, 
anxiety go down and a peace that passes all understanding go up in your life. Have I arrived? By no means. None of us will ever arrive. Sunday evenings, Monday mornings are still the most miserable times of my week, every week that I teach. But I'm telling you, if you work it, it works. If you work it, this power-packed passage that Paul gave us, it works. You might say, well, I am weak. I will always be alone. I'm worthless. Didn't I have a good father? Why didn't I have a good mother? I'll never be a perfect parent. I'm not attractive. No one will love me. I don't know what it takes. I'll never have what it takes. I'll never overcome this anxiety. No, 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 no. God's word would say your kids don't need a perfect parent. They just need you to point them to the only person who is perfect, and his name is Jesus. The truth is you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The truth is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The truth Truth is, Philippians 4.13 says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Scripture says when I'm weak, what? He is strong. Scripture says he will never leave or forsake you. You are a called, anointed child of the Most High God, and you can defeat anxiety. Praise his name. Praise his holy name. But the only way you will do it is putting your whole faith, trust, and life in the hands of Jesus. Last week, I shared with you how it's like once every 2.5 verses or something like that, Jesus is in Philippians. Paul just keeps coming back to Jesus. And we've decided to wrap up this series in a different kind of way today. A very different kind of way. And we're gonna sing a song over you. And we're gonna stay in the movement, if you will. The whole movement's gonna stay in this moment right here. And the song is titled, You Alone. You Alone. And I'm gonna invite all the bands at all the campuses to just go ahead and come on out on the stage. The song says this, when this life has overwhelmed me, and I feel like giving up. I will cling to all you've promised. And it will always be enough. And then there's certain points of the song I just want to point out. And when the world around me crumbles, and Lord, do we know what that's like, right? And it's hard to understand. I will run to you, my shelter, for I am safe within your hands. Hey, he not only holds the world in the palm of his hand, Last I checked, you're in the world. He's holding you in the palm of his hand. You are my help forever. I will not fear God. You are with me. I know you're near. Then it says, when I'm broken into silence, I can hear your whispering. And when my heart and my strength have failed me, my God, you won't. Your name is mighty. I will trust, and here's the name of the song, in you alone. Oh, you are a fortress for the weak and the strength that carries me. Sit in the moment of this song 
Maybe, maybe you just sit there and you just hold your hands open. God, I don't want to practice emptiness. No, 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 no. I want you to fill me. You alone. Fill me. And when the song is over, the campus pastors at all the campuses are gonna come out and just wrap this entire series up with some really important words and opportunities. Father, speak to us, we pray. Minister to our hearts and our minds as you have every week of this series. Would this song and this moment be a capstone? Father, I pray that every person at every campus would stay put, that we wouldn't squelch the spirit by heading for the door now that the word is done. No, 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 no. God, that we would be a people who always tie closely together the word and worship. Speak to us. Fill us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.